Welcome to Side of the Desk Podcast, hosted by Fidelity Jobs and the Fidelity's Women's Leadership Group. We're here today to have deep discussions on the authentic experience of being a working professional in today's ever-changing workforce. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Side of the Desk. I'm your co-host, Farah, and I'm here with my colleague, Justin Martell. Hi there. Today, we have two of our Fidelity Associates, Nikia Toll and Sean Powell, joining us today. Nikia, Sean, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourselves? Sure. Thank you for having us today. Definitely a great opportunity. So I'm Sean Powell. I work in the FI, or Fidelity Institutional Space, as a systems analyst. I've been doing that for about five years. I went through the LEAP program, originally from Queens, New York, and migrated up to Rhode Island, where I, where I reside now. So specifically where I work in the FI space, I'm on the workflow and process management tool integration space. So we work with external vendors to get their process management systems up and running and integrated into our systems. The way I like to explain it to people who don't know the space, I'm like the businessman between the business and the technology. So I speak both languages. So the product people tell me what they want from a business perspective, and I can translate that into the system requirements and help come up with the design for that. And thank you so much, Sean. And Nakia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure thing. So I am Nakia Tull. Right now I work on PI, so the personal investing side, Fidelity. I've been here for a very long time, uh, since 2008, so everyone out there can do the math. And my day-to-day is, you know, to simplify what I do is I design internal communication experiences for our associates working in the Fidelity branches to help contribute to our clients' better futures by inspiring them and giving them the tools that they need to be successful. Awesome, that's great. And we're really excited to have you both on. I wanna take a step back and ask you both a little bit more about your path to getting toward Fidelity. How did you end up here? What kind of brought you into the firm? What attracted you about Fidelity and made you wanna join us? Nikhil, let's start with you. Yeah, so I will be blunt and say my best friend worked here at the time after graduation and she raved about the company. And at that time, I'm like, I don't even know what Fidelity is um, at that point. Maybe I didn't even know how to spell Fidelity. But um, she talked a lot about her experiences, what the company had to offer, and that pretty much we were helping folks live their dreams at a different capacity. So I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. So I applied a few times before finally getting my foot into the door. And I would say that I've enjoyed it ever since. I've had the opportunity to work in a few uh, different business units while here and really excited and never looked back since. Cool. Sean, what about you? You mentioned you started in Leap, is that right? Correct. Yeah, so even before that, I'll take a little trip back in time with you guys. So my first experience with Fidelity was an internship, and at the time I was still in college. I was a finance major and an information systems background. So like I said, I've always had that mix of product and technology. So through that internship experience was my first exposure to Fidelity. I got to work here for the summer in a similar role to what I'm doing now, different space though. So then I got to kind of exposure to the culture and see how things really worked here in the corporate world. So after I graduated, I went to the LEAP program, which is our technology program for recent grads, um, sort of a bridge program into Fidelity. So after that, I I graduated that program and started working in my current role full-time. And I've been there about five years now. Awesome. So you guys have a little bit of Fidelity experience on your belt now. There's a lot of years between the two of you here. What keeps you here? What do you enjoy most about working at Fidelity? I think people make the biggest difference and has kept me here a long time. So um, 
you know, there are relationships for a season, but I've made a lot of relationships that have lasted a lifetime here. And just the like breadth and depth of experiences, whether it's like culturally to like educationally and the folks I've been able to interact with each and every day, I'm learning and I love it. Yeah, it's interesting because my answer is pretty similar, actually. So I, for me, it's also the people, you know, I think the work is the work and you always figure out how to get it done. But if you're not working on a good team and people that you can get along with, it makes it so much more difficult or it makes it a lot more easier. And you guys can really get some great things done depending on, you know, who you have coming to the table and the mindset they all have. So that's, that's what it's really been for me is the people who have kept me around. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. And one of the biggest topics we're going to discuss today on our podcast is Black History Month and diversity. Being African-American at Fidelity, we'd love to hear you speak to the importance of having a diverse workplace. We all know that it's important, but coming from you both, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you feel it's important? I can start us off, Sean. You know, I think having a diverse workforce is one of the easiest ways that we can continuously learn here at Fidelity. I think about a learning curve. I could have a conversation with someone that maybe not look like me, but has a different experience and learn something in five minutes that may have taken me five hours. So I think there's definitely a huge benefit there. I also think it helps to provide different points of view, which can ultimately translate into better business results. And you can like incorporate that into what you do each and every day. So I think that's a a huge win and an easy thing that we can start doing. Yeah, and and you kind of hinted at something uh, I was going to mention. So diversity comes in many shapes and forms, right? It's, you know, gender, color of skin, but also diversity of thought, which I think is a a big thing. It's a great point. And, you know, how you come at things in your life experiences and how that shapes your your lens, right? So you're able to come to the table and offer a different perspective on things and consider how different customers from different backgrounds might feel and able to add really add value from a, from a business perspective and working behind the scenes, it definitely goes a long way. Yeah, and your experiences here, has the importance of, a, of diversity come up in any of the projects you work on or even your day-to-day working life? How has that may have impacted your work here directly? Yeah, there's a couple um, examples I can think of, and I'm gonna actually reference a story one of my peers told me. Uh, so he's of Hispanic descent, I know we're talking about Black History Month, but he's from Colombia. And he was working on a project that had to do with emerging markets. So typically you have assets in other countries outside the U.S. And what they were trying to do is translate some of that fun information to work with brokers and advisors in those different countries. So they pulled him in as a consultant for that. And what he was able to do for them, and big takeaway, was that it's more so than just like translating things from English to Spanish. Sure. All right, But there's like a cultural context that goes along with that. Again, a, a thought pattern that when you are from that culture, from that area, whatever the case may be, you can really shed some light on that and say, hey, you know, even though Google Translate says this is whatever it is in another language, there's a better way to say that, and it comes across as definitely more authentic um, and and really shows people that we're putting the effort to bridge a gap between us and them. So February is Black History Month, so time for us to honor African-American heritage. Can you tell me a little bit about what Black History Month means to you? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it far, at least for me, it is an opportunity for us to honor like the contributions of Black Americans that have made history to our society that may have gone unnoticed. And I think it's a great way to celebrate as well. 
That's great. And are there any, like, heroes that you might have, Nikia, that you think about? I mean, uh, my mom is a hero of mine, uh, along with my grandmother. I think that um, a lot of the work that I do and who I am comes from, like, the hard work and effort that they have done each and every day. Like, they would show up. They would never let anything bother them. And, again, one thing that I'm learning is they would never wear their poker face or they'd always come to work with a poker face. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were never moved or shaken and just continue to drive and thrive. So I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Keeping powering forward, which is great, which is why you're such a power woman. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what about you? I hate to sound cliche, but it's, it's Black History Month every day. Right. And I think Black History Month, though, is really a reminder and almost like, almost of like a reset point for me. Like, OK, am I really honoring like the people that came before me? Am I really learning about my own culture and, you know, the struggles that you know that have come up in the past and really evaluating where we are today mm-hmm. um, and seeing maybe there's a way I can move the needle myself. Right. In my own time. And we talked a little bit about heroes, but one of mine personally. So I, I come from Jamaican descent. So one of my big heroes and also being a musician is Bob Marley. And a lot of people don't know what he actually did in Jamaica, but he was very influential um, in bringing political parties together at the time when there was actually like a lot of violence. People, it was like assassinate, assassinations, and you know, it was a different time back then. But his music was able to not only touch the world, but really bring people in his own country together. Right. Wow, that's interesting. I actually didn't know that. Right. So. Yeah, that that's absolutely fantastic. Um, do you have any specific mentors here at Fidelity? Yes, uh, one of my mentors is actually Curtis Owens, who has been my mentor since I set foot in this building, and he's also just so happens to be the co-chair of Aspire, so it's it's pretty cool. And he is he's an excellent leader. He is a, a change agent and like very much influential in my career, and has been a huge advocate. So, um, quick shout out to him. He's fantastic. That's great, and it almost sounds like he might not just be a mentor, but also a sponsor. Absolutely. Sean, what about you? Any mentors specifically here at Fidelity? Yeah, so one of my first mentors, and as I was evolving and growing my Fidelity career, like the idea of a mentor didn't really, wasn't something that came naturally to me, and it was something that I was introduced to actually through Aspire, and I was like, you know, actually, wow, this is probably something I should look into. <laughs> my first mentor was Mitch Rodriguez, and I got introduced to him through Aspire as well. Um, and he's definitely helped me a lot in my role that I play with Aspire, also in my day job and things outside of work and it's it's surprising you know how far someone will go to really help you out when they have a vested interest in you and really give you some honest feedback and get you going in the right direction yeah that's great and I think you've both hit on it and it's a great transition now to actually talk about Aspire that's one of the main reasons we wanted to have a discussion with you all is to tell our audience more about what Aspire is so if you could give our audience an overview and talk about the mission that Aspire has that would be great Sean's our fearless leader uh, in Rhode Island, so I want to make sure I do it justice. So Aspire is one of our employee resources groups here at Fidelity, and with the focus on trying to positively impact Fidelity and all of our associates with our Latino, Latina audience, and also African Americans, again, bringing diversity of thought into uh, Fidelity in many ways. Yeah, and uh, Aspire also, that's great, Nikia, you nailed it. I'm just going to add on to that, um, and, and it's mainly from my experiences with it. I, I think it's coming into the corporate workspace. You know, it's an environment that I again I grew up in Queens, New York, an environment I was never exposed to, something I wasn't comfortable with. Um, but it was an avenue for me to connect with, 
you know, people that look like me, to be quite honest, and become comfortable in the workspace and become comfortable in my own skin and really step into who I am and bring my full self to work. That's great. And a little birdie told me that the Rhode Island region of Aspire recently won an award. So shout out to Sean. Do you one of you want to tell me a little bit about the award? Absolutely. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, so the award was from the Providence Business News, PBN. And every year they hold a diversity and inclusion uh, award summit. Um, and you have different companies that are represented there, but they really take a look at companies that are making strides in the diversity inclusion or DNI space and proud to say that, that Fidelity won an award and I was able to go and accept that on behalf of them for some of the work that I do with Aspire. Yeah, so it, again, it was really a great opportunity and I think it shows that we're leading, in, especially in the financial services industry, so it definitely shows the strides that Fidelity's uh, making and the, you know, the action that they're taking to make change and it, it's reflected and people are noticing it. Congratulations, yeah, and congrats. thank you for your leadership in that space. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, that, that prompts me to ask, how have you guys worked to really help grow Aspire? What have you done to really expand your reach and, and get word out about what your mission is and, and how people can join? That was a challenge at first. Again, kind of stepping into the role, I was like, okay, how do I grab the reins on this? There's so many aspects to to the role of being a lead for Aspire. and. Really, and that was one of the main goals that I wanted to do was really expand, you know, our membership base, really show people what Aspire was about, you know, and, and it was in the past, I think, uh, almost our connotation thing. It was like, oh, is it more like a social club? Well, no, actually it's not. You know, we do a lot of work in, again, like the mentorship space, uh, skills building, career development. And we also do incorporate, you know, different aspects of culture and, and celebrating Black History Month and things like Cinco de Mayo and Latin American History Month as well. So I think tying all those things together and really partnering close with the different business units and the different, even sometimes uh, nonprofits and local organizations outside of the company to really show an impact and give back uh, has been one of our main ways to go about doing that. If I could also add on, um, I would say that we've also challenged the team to tell just one person about the events that take place, whether that's a manager or someone on the team, and just, again, it's not about, you know, African-Americans and Latinos, but everyone is welcome as well. Uh, so try to get word of mouth out there as much as possible, too. Yeah, make it personal, is mm-hmm. like what we like to say. So as we think about mentorship and sponsorship, what does that mean to you? And how can it help a newer associate or maybe uh, someone who's looking to potentially pivot or they don't feel like they belong either due to their uh, to the way that they look or the way that they might feel yep. um, in a room. So can you can you tell me a little bit about how mentorship or sponsorship can help an associate in that space? So I like the fact that you distinguish between the two because they are very two different things. And it, it, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. And they're both very important, one no more than the other. But from a mentorship perspective, again, that was something I said, I, coming into the workforce, I didn't really think about you know seeking out a mentor but I'm glad that, that someone encouraged me to do that. Because like I said, I, there were so many times where I was like, I don't know how to respond to this situation, or I don't know how to uh, go about getting this initiative done, but I had my mentor to go to um, as a coach, as um, sort of a guardian angel on my shoulder, a voice in my ear to give me some direction, give me an out- outside perspective that you know I wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. Um, but then from a sponsorship perspective, right, then those are the people that 
are going to advocate for you when you're not necessarily there, right? And they'll give you that direct, honest feedback, you know, like, Sean, you need to work on this to get hit from A to B if this is what you really want to do. Um, and they know your work and they know who you are. And again, when you're not in the room, those are the people who will advocate for you and say, you know what, I've worked with Sean, he's done X, Y, and Z, and he'd be a great fit for this. And those are the people that you need to really help propel you to the next level, and not just in the workplace, but in, in, in any facet of life, right? People to really speak up for you when you're not there. Because a lot of times, the decisions that are made about you, you aren't, you aren't even in the room or even know they're going on. So definitely need those sponsors, as well as those mentors. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Uh to me, mentorship is someone who can help groom a little more and get you a little more polished. And then um, those mentors can also talk to your advocates so they can talk about the growth and development and where you've come from. And to your point earlier, Sean, those advocates are folks who have a seat at the table that can speak on your behalf. And, you know, someone used this, who can, prof who can put their professional currency on the line for you while you're not there. Mm. So. I think people may come in with different needs. What advice would you give to a manager who's managing a diverse team who may not necessarily understand everything about your background? I would say that my manager does a good job and managers in the past ask the question. I'd rather you ask the question instead of assume. Um, one, it puts the manager out there and knows that they're comfortable and that they're curious and are willing to learn something different themselves. And also on the flip side from an associate perspective, it allows me to know that you're interested in me and my mm -hmm. differences or any other differences on the team. So I would totally advocate for just ask questions. Even if they're uncomfortable, People are, are open to that and, you know, can help guide you along the way. Uh, so, like, great question. Thanks for asking that. How do you get people to be comfortable with being uncomfortable asking? How do you get people to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? I think it's all about creating a safe space, right? Maybe I have to be the first person to start to ask the question and test the waters and see what type of feedback you receive. And if folks start to join the conversation, I think then that is helpful um, to start the dialogue. Or, you know, just have a topic and yeah. see what type of responses you get. So, Yeah, I think those, those are great points, Nakia. Um, and just to tack on to that, um, you know, there's different folks that we've had this conversation too, but there's folks that are maybe curious and don't know how to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're scared, or, you know, they're not really ready to be vulnerable and fear of failing. And so maybe they don't even try at all. But that shouldn't stop you, right? And you, have, you just have to realize that you're not the only one that's feeling that. The person on the other side of the table might be feeling just as scared as you are. So when you realize that you're both coming from that, maybe, you know, uh, place of fear and you can come say, hey, you know what, let's address this together and work from there and get to a place of understanding, you might realize there's more in common th that you actually have <laughs> to talk about it and work through together than you might have initially thought. So one of the things that I think many employee resource groups have is a challenge where people who don't necessarily identify with the affinity, for example, women's resource group or a black and Latino resource group, or even say like a veterans resource group, people may not necessarily identify with that particular group. But I think to bridge that gap, we need to draw people who are not necessarily part of that affinity. How does Aspire tackle that? And how do you build allies across the organization? 
So I'll, I'll take first crack at that, um, and it's a fantastic question. So from an Aspire perspective, it's always something we've struggled with too, right? Even though we are the Black and Latino Employee Resource Group, we want people from other backgrounds to come in and be part of the conversation so we can come to the table again, having that diversity of thought uh, so we can address the issue together. And that kind of begs at the idea of allyship, right? And a lot of times, the change that we try to affect as an employee resource group, we need help to do it. Right. And the people who can actually make the change might not necessarily be of the same ethnic background as us. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that might be curious and maybe scared to start the conversation. So just putting it out there, we're open to have the conversation. We're looking for help. We want you to join the conversation. We want to move the needle together. Um, so don't be afraid to approach us, right? And, and I think it's once you you move that what seems like a big boulder in your mind of fear you realize it's just a little pebble in the road yeah i would if i were to add anything to that you know we've been using the analogy bringing the outside in as well so we there's there's a saying and i'm really bad with this but like we're better together um and we can't do any of this work in silos so we welcome and want people to you know join us and other ergs as well to learn more about what we're doing and also to see if they can help solve some of these challenges as well with us. That's great. One question I did want to ask both of you, how can we collectively as a society better work together and have the conversations we need to have? How can we best align? What questions do we need to ask? What do we need to do to push that needle in your opinion? For me, I think it all starts with self, a little bit of self-reflection goes a long way. It's, what are you doing? What are we doing? What am I doing to really to really make a change? Am I helping change happen? Am I holding change back? Um, and just, you know, sitting down and really thinking to ourselves and being honest with ourselves, I think is the key part to see what we're doing in that space. If we are really true in, uh, about wanting to make a change, right. really asking ourselves the question to see how can we actually do that. Yeah, that's great. For me, I think it's it can be small incremental changes, right? So we're always trying to do a big overhaul, right? Talk to someone different. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that, right? Listen to a different radio station that you may not have, you know, wouldn't listen to before. Go to coffee with someone else. Join a, you know, a different meetup. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that helps um, diversity of thought and also to get you exposed to other people and other cultures. We're, you know, targeting Black History Month of someone who fits in that category and learns something different about them. That can, that's one step, right? Because I think a lot of the fear is you fear the unknown, but you don't know if you don't ask. It's true, going into the unknown. <laughs> so can you guys tell us a little bit more about how you're bringing this mindset, this ideology that we've discussed here to the workforce here at Fidelity? My prior experience as a user experience designer, like one of the the reasons why I liked it so much is because I was able to reach out and talk to all types of different people, right? And understand that there is not a one size fits all. Uh, so it's really interesting that you, you have to understand that like, as you mentioned earlier with like the, the Latino uh, group, they might interpret something differently than like the African American group. So it really is up to us to do our due diligence and make sure that we're reaching out to all customers, you know, black, white, brown, blue, old, young, to understand uh, what we can do to meet those needs because ultimately it, it, it turns out it 
you know, helps from like a business results perspective, right? Yes. Um, so it, it is up to us to, to reach those groups and understand their needs a little better as an organization. And I love that, Nikia, and it reminds me of ergonomics, right? Like, I think we don't necessarily think that there's always different users. Like, you think about a chair, for example, right? There's so many different components that go into a chair, Mm -hmm. whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you're very short, a child, or whether you're very big. Like, there's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. So I love that you have that designer mindset when it comes to thinking about bringing different, diverse backgrounds and perspectives into your day-to-day life. So for someone who's either new to the firm or is, maybe they just don't necessarily feel like they found their community yet, what advice would you give them? So some advice that I would give to someone starting out in Fidelity, um, and I learned from a video that I saw, and to give you the short version of it, there was a race where they had folks line up against a fence, and they'd say, you know, throw out different questions. If, you know, you graduated from college, or you had X experience, or you're from this background, or whatever, take a step forward. And then as you see, some people take a step forward. There's some people that didn't even step off the fence. And at the end of the race, you look back and you realize that they were so discouraged to even take a step forward because they felt like they didn't even qualify. And, and the point of that is don't feel discouraged because you don't know what to do and you don't have the background and experience that everyone else has. But if you just take one step forward, and like Nakia said earlier, small incremental change, and you push yourself a little bit, you might be surprised with how far you can go and, and how successful you could be. Thank you for that, Sean. And it, it sounds like people have that imposter syndrome, right? And it's just overcoming that imposter syndrome that you may feel like you don't belong. Yeah, what I would also say too is I'm not new anymore, but for those who are entering uh, the workforce or specifically Fidelity, ask someone. And if they don't know, they'll know someone who does, right? So I, I do think, and one thing, again, that keeps me here, people are willing to help and want to help you in any way that they can. So the network, this is a, a really big company, but it's very small. People will help you navigate and, and get you to the right place or the right people. So like, do not hesitate to, um, to reach out. And my mom would always say, closed mouths never get fed. So if you're hungry, you got to start talking <laughs> <laughs> or eating rather. So, <laughs> And that's great. And that ties back into themes of mentors and sponsors. Yeah. Fantastic. We can't thank you enough for joining us for having such an important discussion, you know, one thing you had said, Sean, that I loved, it's, yes, February is Black History Month, but really every day is Black History Month. And if we're going to move the needle and have the conversation the right way, we have to change our mindset. It can't just be a one-month thing. It has to be all day, every day. So thank you for helping Fidelity have that discussion, and thank you for joining us on Side of the Desk. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this Side of the Desk episode, and thank you to our recording studio and editors who make our episodes possible. For more information about working at Fidelity, check out fidelitycareers.com.